May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It is a joy to be with you for the second consecutive Sunday, being with the people of God in one congregation two Sundays in a row is not the normal experience I have. And so it is a joy to uh, be able to be here with you, especially as you commemorate the Feast of Corpus Christi. And so uh, I, again, as I did last week, bring you greetings from the province of the Anglican Church in North America. And I thank you for the prayers you offered last week for the success of our assembly, which we had in North Carolina. I also want to thank one of your members, Praveen, for uh, coming to the airport at Boston uh, well after midnight last night to get us all back here so we could be with you this morning. It is much appreciated, and one feels the joy of the, of the family coming together in that particular way. Jesus, obviously, from the Gospels, uh, was very familiar with what we would call the Old Testament. To him, that was the only Bible there was, the Hebrew Scriptures. And he knew them intimately. We know that he read from them when he went to, to the temple at, 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 at Nazareth, and they, they, they brought him the book, the scroll, and he read from the prophet Isaiah. But we also know that scattered completely, uh, through his teaching, he keeps making reference to passages which he knew off by heart. He will say, you have heard in old time. He'll quote a passage of the Bible. Now I am telling you. Not that he was contradicting the Old Testament, but in fact that he was fulfilling it and is still fulfilling it uh, today. Uh, because he was a Jew and attended the Jewish synagogue, temple, for worship on a regular basis. We're told he went there on the Sabbath, as was his custom. Uh, he knew that one of the ways that the Jewish religion survived and has been surviving these thousands of years is because not only are they looking for the future, uh, for the coming of the Messiah, which we already proclaim has happened, but they did this by reliving the past, by teaching their children and their children's children just what a great deliverance they had. And they do this throughout the year at various times as the family comes together and keep the Passover or the Atonement or any of these other great festivals that are mentioned in the Old Testament. He says, teach these things to your children that you never forget how merciful God was in delivering you. In the New Testament, since we have Jesus, the Messiah, already here with us, uh, we have uh, a similar thing in that church, the Holy Church has given us what we call the Christian year, starting with Advent, and I recited all of that last week, so I'm not going to do it all again, but you start from, and, and, and goes right up to um, Pentecost and ultimately to the uh, Holy Trinity and then on to this season when we think about the various teachings of Jesus. Maundy Thursday, the day before Good Friday, is the day that normally we give thanks for the institution of the Holy Communion, the Last Supper. Call it Holy Communion, Holy Eucharist, Mass, 
It is the same thing. It, it, we are reenacting, as the Jews did with the Passover, we are reenacting what Jesus told us to do. Do this in remembrance of me. Do it. Not when you feel like it, but do it when you uh, come together to worship because this is what I'm giving you for uh, your comfort and for your support. However, the trouble with doing this on Maundy Thursday is that so many other things are commemorated on Maundy Thursday as well. We institute the Last Supper, we change from red or purple to to white, and then move into black on on Good Friday. But that night we also uh, uh, commemorate Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. You know, the first night of the Tridium that you you, you keep here uh, in, in this church. And Jesus teaching about this new commandment the arrest of Jesus, the trial of Jesus. All of these things happened that one night, and it is impossible for us to give equal emphasis to all of them at that time. And so our church, in its infinite wisdom, uh, decided to set aside another day because the Holy Eucharist uh, is so important that we uh, don't just have a dovetail with all of these other so important things, but we give it a special day to itself. That day it was set, it's always on a Thursday, and we are keeping it now on the Sunday, as we do with many of our feasts, because we don't have the opportunity to do it properly on that particular day. The Feast of Corpus Christi sounds very mysterious, but simply the body of Christ, Corpus Body Christi of Christ, the body of Christ, which for us as as, as, as members of Christ's Holy Catholic Church, is our central uh, feast, our central theme. Holy Communion and the Holy Eucharist, Holy Holy Baptism and Holy Communion are the two uh, sacraments necessary for salvation. And we teach this, and when we do it, we not only reenact, but we have the privilege of having Jesus come to us, as he promised, in a very special way. You see, we keep three different occasions of Christ's coming. Christmas, the most obvious one, God comes as a baby at Bethlehem. We welcome him into our hearts, into our lives. This helpless little baby who needed human beings to tend on him and to care for him as he grew up to redeem the world that was really, uh, that he had, had, had created. We also uh, are always emphasizing the second coming of Jesus. He told us he's going to come again. And without having to get out calendars and try to predict what day that's going to be on, we simply live each day as if it was a day that we are preparing for that time when Jesus will come, when we will meet Jesus again. We'll either meet him when we get carried up, when we die, we get brought up to to meet him and to meet those of our loved ones who've gone before, or It could happen in your lifetime and in my lifetime. He's actually going to reappear here on earth in all of his glory. So we are sort of in an in-between state, as it were. We know that Jesus came here at Christmas time, grew up here, ministered to us, and he established there his kingdom on earth. But it is not completed. It is not fulfilled. And the devil is trying to destroy it. And so we prepare ourselves for this second coming. Thirdly, and you mightn't have thought of this one, but there are three comings, and this one happens in this parish every day when the priest stands at the altar with the bread and the wine, and they become, in a way we cannot understand, 
they become his body and his blood. So these three comings are all intertwined because this last one helps to prepare us for the second one, the, the, the second coming of Christ. And therefore, before he left us to ascend into heaven to prepare that place for us, he gave us two great gifts. The gift of the Holy Spirit, which the church neglected for a long time, but he's also given us this gift of the Holy Communion, which in many areas has been abused or neglected terribly. And I cringe when I learn of one of our churches in this diocese, for example, with a, with a priest in attendance, will miss, say, even a Sunday uh, without the celebration of the Holy Communion and simply have morning prayer. There's nothing wrong with morning prayer. It precedes Holy Communion. But when Christians come together, the Feast of Christ, body and blood, is one that uh, sustains us and is central and, and critical uh, to, to our operation in his holy church. But I want to warn you this morning, especially in a parish where you have the Holy Eucharist daily, and that's very commendable. I wish all of our churches were able to do that and wanted to do that, even more important. Uh, but we must be always careful that we don't become over-familiar with holy things. And that's very possible. It's Sunday, we're going to go up to communion. But you, know, you have to prepare yourself to go up to that communion. Uh, queen Victoria, who was not your queen, but I guess, well, well yeah, no, she was. No, the revol <laughs> you, you had gone your own way before Queen Victoria. But you know, she, she, she took her religious duties as being head of the church very, very seriously. Now, she would only receive Holy Communion three times a year, but each time she would spend a week of fasting and praying, uh, preparing for it. And we are not going to be able to follow that sort of extreme, nor would we want to, because we feel she was misguided in just you know, going the three times a year. But we should take an example from preparing for it, because far too many people come to the Lord's table simply because uh, it's there on that given Sunday. This has to be a central act in your life, and you must use it uh, not as something that's just something, but as something that's terribly important. When you come here this morning, yes, this is very serious what I'm going to say to you now, and I'm saying to myself as well. When you come here at this rail to receive Holy Communion, no greater thing can happen to you this day. No greater thing than God Almighty, through his Son Jesus Christ, comes into this humble building and comes into our humble hearts and transforms us and empowers us and strengthens us. And it is through the help we get in the uh, Holy Communion, in the Mass, it is through this strength that we are able to, to be able to take properly the things that happen to us. Because many of us can think of, of sorrows and grief that we've gone through, We've, we would say, lost loved ones. Loved ones have gone on to be with Christ, for example. We often know people who are uh, close to us, who are going through very difficult forms of illness and sickness. And it is through the sustenance we get, through the body and blood of Christ, that helps us not just to endure those things, but to see them in their right perspective. 
so that when someone we love is taken from us, we know that they are simply there in that place that Jesus has prepared. And they no longer need the sacrament of Holy Communion. They actually have him uh, with, with uh, they have him face to face, as we hope to do when our time comes as well. There is a, a beautiful description of Jesus uh, in, in, in the old church, in, in the traditions of the church, of a pelican, a bird. And it's depicted as the pelican with, his, with, its, with her uh, brood of little pelicans around her. And in order to sustain them and to uh, uh, feed them, because there was no other food she would have there, she picks her own breast. So the blood comes. The little ones are nourished from the blood of the mother. And so we refer to Jesus sometimes as the pelican of mercy, the pelican who gives himself to us in such uh, an important and, and, and incredible uh, and life-giving way. Lastly, and I may have said this to some of you before, but I'm going to say it again, we can't be reminded enough of this. We don't receive Holy Communion because it is there. We receive it so we can be transformed by Christ living in us. When I was a student, we spent much time arguing, as students do, and even when we get beyond the student age, we still have sometimes arguing, which we call discussions on matters of theology. Uh, but uh, uh, we would uh, always have a big argument over what is the most important point in this service this morning. Is it uh, when the gospel is read? Is it when the priest stands at the altar and lifts up the body and blood of Christ and the bell rings and the candles are raised up? Uh, is it the, the blessing that comes on the end? And we would debate this using scripture and prejudice and opinion any way we could. But we were way off base. None of these things are the most important part of the Holy Communion service. The most important part of this morning for you, after you receive the body and blood of Christ, is when you leave this church and step out into the world. Are you a changed person? Are you a strengthened person because of what you have? And will you be prepared to live up to your commitments uh, as a follower of Jesus, knowing that he is in you, and through you, you spread him and show him to other people? That's why we keep Corpus Christi to emphasize that there is no other gift we receive on a regular basis than, uh, greater than the Holy Communion, and it is there to sustain us, but also to strengthen us to bring that message to other people. May we indeed be faithful in doing that, and may we continue to love this holy feast, coming to it with anticipation and joy leaving it with strength and courage to spread his word to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.